You're listening to the audio-only version of American RVer. To see the video podcast, go to AmericanRVer.com and click on the video link for the show on the homepage. You're watching American RVer. In this show, Peg starts off speaking with Marty and Marion Markham in our Friends Across America segment. The Markhams are avid geocachers. Don't know what a geocache is? You will soon find out and maybe want to try it for yourself. Next, Ron and Sandy Jones gives you a tip on measuring your coach height and converting the numbers into metric numbers for Canadian travel. Finally, Mike Whitman of Alliance Coach has our tech tip and tells us how to get a little better service from an RV dealer. It's a fact-packed show, so let's get started. Welcome to American RVer. Thanks for joining us this month. I tell you, this month we're in for a real treat. We're going to talk about geocaching, and if you haven't ever done it, which I've only done once, then you're going to enjoy meeting Marty and Marianne Markham, who are veteran geocachers. So we're going to see how that all works and what kind of sites are available for you and what kind of tools you might need. and everything you might need to know about geocaching. So thank you guys for joining me on American RV Year. Thank We're you. Happy to be here. Yeah, so geocaching, let's just start there and then we'll get into how you became RVers and all of that in a little bit. So geocaching, you, you have to have a handheld GPS or something you, to take with you, you walk, you drive, is it in the desert? Where do you go? What do you do? Uh, you can. You can have a handheld GPS, which is actually, we found out, that works the best. Or you can use a smartphone. And the smartphone, you go online, go to the App Store. Uh, you can get a free app, or you can buy an app uh, that gives you a lot more detail. Uh, you can walk to some. You can drive to, to most of them. There's millions of them all over the world. So we're in McKinney, Texas right now. What is there, one or two here? <laughs> There's probably, from where we're sitting right now, if you go uh, uh, draw a 10-mile circle, 10 miles in every direction, mm -hmm. you'll probably have around 500. Holy mackerel. Wow. That's a lot. Some are very easy. Uh, some are very difficult. And when you look on the website, uh, there's a... Uh, a way to determine or they, they show you how difficult it is by stars a one star is very easy mm -hmm. uh, and it goes up to to five stars a five star would be very difficult and the same with with the terrain a one terrain usually means somebody in a wheelchair can get it a five may mean you have to repel climb a mountain climb a 50-foot tree could be anything like that oh, okay so you can determine which ones you want to go to mm -hmm. exactly. how did you guys start geocaching friend of ours okay. asked us if we wanted to go with them we said okay sure we didn't have anything else to do uh-huh and i got hooked more than she did okay we only went once it was in death valley oh and it was kind of cool you know we got yeah. out of the car we walked over here and there it was but but what is a geocache? I mean, is it a big box with stuff in it that you take stuff out of? Or, or what is it? What would be a geocache typically? It can be a tube, large tube. We mm -hmm. found one today. It was a five-gallon bucket. It was a five-gallon bucket. And then also it can be as small as um, the tip of your finger. 
So and those are generally magnetic and stuck somewhere. So they're attached creative. to something, the bottom mm -hmm. of a fence seat post or, or oh, okay. something. That seems Stairway. like it'd be pretty hard to find. What the GPS gives you, like coordinates, and you just mm -hmm. try to find those coordinates. Right. The, the GPS basically gets you. Uh, I figure that normally, if you're within 13 feet, you're you're pretty close. Uh, a lot of times, uh, your GPS will get you to what what ground zero, which it would be zero feet. Uh, but you may find that you're six feet, eight feet, 15 feet away. And the, the longer you do it, the more you are able to kind of spot places that look like it would be a good place for them. Well, how do you know what you're looking for? When you download the information off of geocaching.com, it gives you a description of the container. And sometimes it'll give you a hint. It'll say, um, well, like when we found the other day that was hard, it said two TWO was the hint, and it was a um, screw with, three, with. It was a three eighths bolt that bolt had been with with two nuts on it, oh. <laughs> and it was teeny teeny teeny. They had drilled the interior <laughs> of the bolt out, uh, rolled up the log, which is just a piece of paper, rolled it very tight, stuck it in this very small hole, and then the nut with the rest of the bolt fit over the end of that. So it looked like just a it's bolt on tricky. a fence. I don't know that I would ever find that. The longer you go, you kind of get a geosense. <laughs> That's what, pe what people call it. That, it yeah. is. Uh, geos geosense. That, that the, the longer you do it, uh, there are certain things that when you get into a certain area and you're looking for a geocache, there's, there's times where you thought, oh, it's going to be right over there. And you'll be right. Now, there's other times you say it's going to be right over there and it's not. Uh, but for the most mm -hmm. part, you you just you you kind of learn what to look for. Yeah. And how do you think geocaching has affected how you travel in your RV? It's made us much more active. There's no couch potato anymore. Okay. <laughs> so we're always out, and and this has led us to places that we've never would have seen before. You know, kind of unique places. You know, it could be a. A racetrack or the cemeteries are great. We love doing the cemetery oh. ones. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. And it's cemeteries are really neat because some of them are so small that you would never, you never go look for it unless maybe you had had a relative or friend mm -hmm. that was buried there. Mm -hmm. uh, but we came from Corsicana before we came up here, and just around Corsicana there was at least ten cemeteries. Uh, some of them large, some of them well kept, some of them very. I would say rustic, uh, that weren't very well kept, but beautiful settings. Hmm. And uh, but just so many, so many times you'll go. Like today, we went into Old Downtown, and there were some caches in there. And we probably would have gone to Old Downtown anyway, but it's just an, kind of more of an excuse to go. Do people look at you strange as you're walking mm -hmm. around with this? <laughs> yeah. It's I, like um, you're here. Hello. Yeah. Today. She went shopping and I went geocaching, and uh, I went to a Wendy's and there was one at, at Wendy's outside in a under what they call it a skirt lifter. It's where the the metal part around a big light pole mm -hmm. those all pretty much lift up and people oh, no will hide like a 35 millimeter film uh, canister. Can, canister. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty common for those. Uh -huh. And so I found it, signed the log, 
I was getting back in the car, and this guy comes up, and he says, uh, uh, my people said you were out here around the light pole. What were you doing around the light pole? And I asked him if he knew what geocaching was. He says, no, not really. And so I explained it to him. I showed him the GPS, uh, talked to him for a long time, and I'm not sure that he won't now go out and buy a GPS. He was so intrigued with it. But he, same thing, he said, you know, that would be a good way for me to get off the couch. He says, I'm, I'm single now, I'm divorced, uh, I have two adult children, so I'm kind of by myself. And he said, this would be a real good way for me to get out. And he asked the same question you asked about how many are in the area. And it's like 500 within 10 miles. So you're spreading the word and mm -hmm. maybe developing more mm -hmm. geocachers. And it's great for kids too. Sure, you know, sure, kids I can see that. Kids or grandkids. Yeah, yeah, now what are some it. of the most unique places you've been to or unique caches that you've seen? Unique caches. I mean, are they all just little pieces of paper or are there actual little medallions or emblems? Each one uh -huh. has a log for you to sign mm -hmm. and then you go back when you're done for the day and you go back on your computer and report that you found it. That's right, so you have your account set up and it kind of mm -hmm. tracks for mm -hmm. you everything that you've been. Now, in some of the western states, uh, you were telling me earlier that they make shapes in the ground with these geocaches. Yes, and it's it requires a, a lot of time for somebody to do that because they have to go probably onto a map and, and lay them out using latitude and longitude because they have to make sure that they have to be at least 500 feet apart for any cache. Any cache has to be 500 feet from another one. So the person has to go in and, and know in advance what design they want. They have to lay those all out. Then they have to go out and place all those. And usually it may be a team that does it because, uh, like an example, there's a Cocopelli near where we live in, in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's 133 caches that make that up. And there are people that have done the whole thing in one day, but it takes between 19 and 24 hours to find them all because you have to walk to every one of them. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you're getting a lot better, a lot of exercise too. Mm -hmm, that's true. Right? That's true. I've, yeah. I've gone out three different times and I've done 83 or 86 of them and I come home and I'm just poop. But I'm, you know, I'm not young like some of these guys are. <laughs> so it's not just old RVers that are doing this. No. no. Yeah. But we had a friend that explained uh, what geocaching is. There was a, a gentleman that was probably close to 90, and a friend of ours that's about our age, uh, the guy asked him, well, what is geocaching? And the guy says, well, the way, the best way to explain it is when somebody that has absolutely nothing to do hides something that somebody else that has absolutely nothing to do to go out and find it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now, I also saw a picture of a steam engine. That has to be huge. Mm -hmm. That's, that's probably 400 caches uh, similar to the Cocopelli and the and with that one it's also on BLM land where you can't drive a vehicle so you have to walk to those. And so where is that at? That is south of Boise, Idaho. But there's there's unique uh, caches or I'm not I don't know how you would explain it but there's unique areas that have caches that are that when you zoom out on the computer you'll see a big a big pattern there's fighter mm -hmm. jets there's wow. uh, uh, 
university logos for different universities okay. and most of those you'll find in desert areas where there's no no buildings that be, because would of the impede that, that line. would impede the, yeah. the line yeah now do you ever leave something at the caches or the caches where you leave stuff and mm -hmm. other people pick it up and then it travels have, the world essentially they have, they have travel bugs matter of yeah. fact Travel bugs, they're called? It's called a travel bug. Okay. And this is this is the what they call the trackable, this portion. Okay. A lot of them look like a like a military dog tag, they're about that size. Mm -hmm. But on the back of this it has a unique number like like your license car license plate. Okay. That is a, that somebody has purchased this tag, they uh, log it into their into the internet and then now like we picked this one up in Houston I'm gonna take it to Oklahoma and drop it in a cache somebody else will come and pick this up and they'll move it somewhere and the unique thing about these is like the uh, there's mileage that builds on these so wherever this has been the mileage stopped in Houston and now when I drop it in Oklahoma City the mileage from Houston to Oklahoma City or wherever I drop it mm -hmm. will add to the distance. There's there's oh. there's travel bugs like this that have thirty or forty thousand miles of traveling. I and am it, amazed. And it, yeah. And it's too bad that we can't go with them because we have one that's that's in uh, Germany that's been to Spain and Germany twice. Oh, one that you've dropped somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started mm -hmm. it in, in How about uh, that? Washington so this is State. an international yeah. Yeah. following. And then we will. had another yeah. one go to the Bahamas. Oh, yeah, you really I wanted want to go, go there. That one, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, there's, there's over two million caches hidden, and there's uh, probably four or five million people looking Okay. And they're not young. I mean, well, there's a lot of people our age doing it. Right. And actually, in St. George, we went to a, um, a George, gathering. St. George, Utah. And, mm -hmm. a, mm -hmm. and uh, met another couple close to our age, and we've gone out with them a couple times and enjoyed each other's company. And we'll get together when we get back to Mesquite oh, in November. Fun. So there's yeah. a whole another world out there that yeah. not a lot of people know about. Well, mm -hmm. four million people know about it. Yeah. Apparently uh, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> and there was another couple that met there at Geocachers and they got married. Oh, no kidding. So oh. It was a social thing. <laughs> so instead of christianmingle.com, it right. geocachers.com yeah. or something. <laughs> oh, how fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences and thank telling you. us about. Thanks for talking with You'll us. You'll have to come with yeah. us. I know. We're going to have to try it now. I'll start maybe with my cell phone, and then if we really yeah. like it, we can go with the, yeah. and the handheld. And it's geocaching.com. It's G E O C A. C-H-I-N-G okay. dot com as opposed okay. to S-H. And so a lot of a lot of information is right on that website. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if someone Every, wants to get into it, they everything can look Everything about, there. Uh, like if you wanted to go from here and go look look for a cache, you could go online. Uh, you, would, you would have to put the coordinates into your smartphone or download the app. Uh, and it'll give you all the information on the size of it that you're looking for from very small up to very large. Uh, it'll give you the, the difficulty and when you start out you probably want to do ones and one and a halves. Uh, I like to do 
threes when I can because they're much more difficult. We found a three this afternoon. Uh, but yeah, it's it's okay. uh, it's it's really easy to get started. It's okay. That it sounds like a lot of fun. It, it is. is. Okay. It is. Thank you guys very much. You're Thank welcome. you. All right, we'll be right back with more of American RVer. Tips and tricks coming your way with Ron and Sandy Jones. An RV service facility and dealership should put the customer first. The service writers, office staff, techs, and salespeople must be geared towards making the customer happy and coming up with solutions for any problem. This customer first attitude is found in the Southeast's best sales and service center, Alliance Coach. Customer service sets Alliance Coach apart from other dealerships. With full service bays, a customer campground and lounge, reasonable rates, and knowledgeable staff, they guarantee your satisfaction. Experience a different kind of RV service center. Experience Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida. Hi, we're Ron and Sandy Jones. We're uh, full-time RVers and have been for about 10 years now. And with that, we, uh, we've been asked to do a, sort of a new segment here on American RVer called uh, RVing Tips and Tricks. And these segments will, uh, will show up uh, all, over the, all over the RVing map, so to speak. And with that, the first one, we'd like to talk about uh, Canada, visiting Canada. Many of the RVers visit Canada regularly every year. I know we do, have done for a number of years. So with that, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the unusual things you're gonna run across visiting Canada is of course, you have to drive into Canada and take your RV in there. With that, uh, I'd like to give you a couple of, couple of really good hints as to make, your, to make your life easier when you visit Canada and especially when you drive your RV in there. One of the uh, things that we found that RVers don't know is the exact height of their RV. Oh yeah, we, we talk to them and they tell us that the manufacturer says it's uh, this height and the dealer says it's that height. But what we always recommend is that you measure your RV. You get, if you can't do it uh, for physical reasons, then get somebody to crawl up on your RV, find the tallest point and measure straight down uh, to the ground. Want to, know the, want to know the exact height of your tallest feature. And what we recommend is add about six inches to it and that's sort of your minimum height. That's, how, that's what you can get under without hurting your RV. Now with that, uh, when you go into Canada, what happens is, is that Canada is on the metric system. And the metric system is, is a different set of measurements, so to speak, or it's a different way of, uh, of, uh, of identifying uh, length, distance, miles per hour, so forth. So when you crawl up on that top of that RV and measure it, measure the height, add the six inches to it, make a note of that, what the height that is. An easy way to convert that height to metric is simply go on the internet, go on Google and type in the Google search box, uh, whatever your height is, let's say it's 13 feet, then just put in the Google, Google search box, convert, uh, 13 feet to uh, meters and it will give you the exact 
uh, conversion in meters. Take your meters and take your height in feet and inches. Go to the local sign shop, have a little plastic sign made with your exact height in feet and meters and, and glue it to your dash. When you get into Canada and you see a height on a bridge, for example, if it says uh, 3.9 meters height, all you have to do is look down at your dash and you'll know exactly whether or not you can make it. It's an easy way to do it. It stops all that conversion. It stops you from having to get out the calculator and life will just simply be easier. That was just one tip. To find out lots more information, go on our website at aboutrving.com and we'll see you again on American RVer. Mike Whitman of Alliance Coach has our tech tip up next. Have you been waiting for prices to come down on LED lighting so you can purchase some for your RV? Wait no longer. American RVer has G4 style puck lamp replacements for just $5.95 each, shipping included. Go to AmericanRVer.com and click on the link in the lower right corner of the homepage to order. It's time for a tech tip, brought to you by Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida. Hi, I'm Mike Whitman at Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida, and this is your Alliance Coach Tech Tip. To get the best service for your motor coach, one of the first things you could do is to make sure that your coach is clean inside and outside. Make sure things are tidied up. Um, the last thing the techs want to do is have to reorganize your coach to be able to service it. Uh, and if you keep yours clean, they'll keep it clean as well. They'll keep that in mind. Um, and you should get better service through that if they understand that a customer takes care of their coach. Uh, the next thing is to be sure when you make your appointment or come in and talk to an advisor, make sure you have a clear, concise list of each item, descriptive item, of what you want done on your coach. Um, write it down for the advisor, email it to the advisor if that's available. And that'll speed up the process and there'll be no misunderstanding of what components that you want taken care of on your coach. Uh, the advisor, listen for the advisor to repeat back what you've told him you want done on your coach. That way you know that advisor has an understanding of everything that you want to do on your coach. And he can relay that to the technician if there's a technician's question or the technician can come to you and ask you a question is always a good thing when you're dealing with service on your coach. One-on-one -on -one with the technician is the best way to go. The advisor is going to write that down and relay that to the technician. Make sure you go to a shop where the technicians are open to coming and talking to the customer. And that leads into having, oh, finding a shop that will actually has an open shop policy to where you can actually be inside the shop while they're working on it. Um, as long as, of course, you're not in the way of the technicians. Um, if you're not in their way and you just watch from a distance or give input when they need it or ask for it, that'll help things go a lot smoother. Um, and it's always nice to be able to watch what's going on with your coach while it's being done. That was your tech tip from Alliance Coach. To contact Alliance Coach, you can go online to www.alliancecoach.com 
or call us at 352-330-3800. Thanks for watching this month's Tech Tip, sponsored by Alliance Coach. For the best RV sales and service center in the southeast, call Alliance Coach in Wildwood, Florida at 866-888-8941 or go to www.alliancecoach.com.